Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to a Super Bloom podcast. I am very grateful to be having this conversation today. I've been anticipating this conversation. It is going to be a little bit heavier. We're going to be talking about gun violence here in America, gun laws. This is something I feel very passionate about. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, this is not the first time I'm broaching this subject. Although, even though it's not my first time broaching this subject, I always still get very anxious talking about it, not because of the politics, but because it really weighs on me. It really weighs on me as just a human person walking around in the world, as well as a mother. I'm just left in speechless. I think that's the word. The word is that I am left with a lot of lacking of words. And so hopefully my conversation today with Angela Farrell Zabala, the first ever executive director of Moms Demand Action, hopefully she can help me find some words. If you don't know Angela or Moms Demand Action, Angela as the executive director is responsible for leading and growing the largest grassroots network in the gun violence prevention space. Angela has been with the organization since 2019, leading its movement building work, overseeing grassroots organizing, external, cultural and corporate engagement, and national partnerships and programming. 
As a lifelong organizer, Angela is very passionate about movement building, uplifting and centering often marginalized voices, and empowering the next generation of leaders. She is a wife, mother of four, and a lover of music, art, dance, and theater. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Angela Farrell Zavala, Executive Director of Moms Demand Action. Obviously, the subject matter that we're going to be talking about is, to be quite frank, it scares the crap out of me. It just, it's like my big, it's the big scary that kind of haunts me. And the fact that this is the work that you do every single day, talking about gun safety, gun laws, and just the reality of where we're at in this country with shootings. I mean, I, I think I just read that we're, we're past 365 mass shootings this year in 2023. And that's, think about that, days in a calendar year, 365 <sighs> days in a calendar year. It's very true. It's very true. And as you know, I'd say, yes, this is something that we should be concerned about. And, you know, a good majority of the American public see this as a critical public health crisis that needs to be addressed. And what I would say is there are also solutions. This is not an act of nature. This is not inevitable. There are things that we can actually do to prevent these things from occurring. And we should feel that we can be empowered as a community to take this on. So that's where Moms Demand Action comes in and all the other incredible organizations that we work with across the country that is fighting on behalf of preventing gun violence every single day. And that, like my brain hears that, my brain registers everything that you just said, but then every single bone in my body, you, you wrote an article not too long ago, it was for Mother's Day, and I, you were talking, you mentioned a whether you spoke with a mother or you read a story, a mother sharing that she had sent her child to school with a little heart drawn on her hand in the event, it just basically to her child, it was that she loves her or or him, the, the child. I don't know if uh, the gender of the child, but basically for the mother, it was in the event that their child was in a school shooting sh- that that child could look down and see that heart and know that, like, feel a part of mommy with them. So when everything that you just said, I hear in my brain, but especially I, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, I've, 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 I've have stepchildren that are now 20 and 18. So I've been through, you know, every school shooting in the last 10 years since I've known them kind of, you know, also understanding that with teenage kids, but now having these very young kids and having like even my seven-year-old when she was going to kindergarten was coming home talking about her, the ladybug scary person drills and living here in Nashville coming off the covenant shooting earlier this year, the tragedy and having to sit down and process that and hear my seven-year-old process it, like it, that lives in my bones. And I know you're a mother and you have four children. How do you, do you separate your mind from your, from, you know, these the bones, I guess? Like, how do you process this? It's such a good question. I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. Look, I'm a human like you, a mother of four children. And of course, I think about there as any parent does, the safety of your children, whether it's 
little things that you think about being a mom, like put the gloves on and the hat because you don't want the, you know, I, all the ways that my mom used to say that the heat is escaping your body, you can have cold, you can have pneumonia, <laughs> you know, so it's just from the moment they were born, I was watching over them. Like, are they breathing? Like I got no sleep and I, you know, I still have my five-year-old now who I go in and check in on the middle of the night if she's not already hopped in my bed by a certain point. So it's very normal to have all these feelings as a parent, the responsibility of keeping your children safe, making sure that they're getting everything that they need to thrive, not just survive, but to thrive and to be successful in this world. So we're starting from that basis. And then the next thing is to add these other things that you feel that you have no control over. So that's where a lot of the anxiety is coming from. It's like, I don't know when to predict how to know. Uh, And then we're preparing our kids for like something that feels like an inevitability. And I want to go back to the fact that it's not inevitable. When we think about, first of all, yes, as a mom, do I, am I concerned? Yes. But for many reasons, it's not just school shootings because I know that the, that's a small percentage. Are they important? Do we have people that have lost their children? And I hate to use the word lost because really they were stolen from them. Mm-hmm. Do we have people that have had their children stolen from them? Those precious lives taken. Absolutely. And yet they're still about 1% of the totality when we think about gun violence in this country. We have 120 people shot and killed every single day and 200 plus are shot and wounded. And then there's many more that are living with the devastation, the impacts of of those survivors, of the, the folks that have been taken from them or are just knowing, you know, if you're living, you've been shot or you know someone in your family who has, by the way, 59% of adults in this country identify as survivors themselves or know someone or love someone that has experienced gun violence. So I think what I separate, I see my children going out of the house and even before they get in the school, I know my my older son getting in the car and driving. What if he gets pulled over and something gets out of hand? I'm constantly thinking about those things, but I think what separates the very normal nervousness and fear about protecting your children and not having me settle into a place of inertia or feeling like there's nothing that can be done is actually doing this work, is traveling around the country, meeting our volunteers, particularly the survivors that have turned their pain into purpose and have committed themselves to fighting for a world where this is not something people have to face. It's a club that no one ever wants to join. But once they're a part of it, they're committed to ensuring not one more. And so for me, I feel pretty empowered because I know that there are actual tangible things to do to prevent this. When we think about school shootings in particular, 80% of those shootings are a result of an unsecured firearm. So they're getting this from home. So basic secure storage laws could really help to decrease people bringing young kids kids bringing those weapons onto campus and wreaking havoc. So again, like I said, with everything we can point to as something that we're afraid of, which we should acknowledge, it's a human thing to be afraid, but there are things that we can we can do. And so that's why I have the balance because I know that it's not an inevitability and I know that we're going to continue to push. We're going to continue to hold our lawmakers accountable and also have these conversations with our friends and families and make them understand and feel empowered that there are things that you can be doing to help prevent these tragedies in the first place. Yeah, it's wild. I had to get my youngest is two and a half. And so her dad and I had to get her a passport. 
You know what's really flipping hard to do these days and just one big giant pain in the ass is getting your child a passport. It is so And getting it within like six months or so. Oh my gosh. And then both people have to be, and then you have to have all the paperwork from the date of their birth. It's a lot. And it's wild to me, especially living in a state like Tennessee, where there's just like gun shows and you just go and people just buy it. And I'm like, you can't even do that with the passport. For your own child, it, it, like that's where I start to get really irritated and, and and motivated and really wanting to participate, especially on a local level, to pay attention to those those laws that should just. It's not that you know. It's I think a lot of people here. It's the erase like erasing guns from the world, which is one. I think also just we can accept it's not probable. <laughs> like they're out there, but it's also making it more difficult for people. You shouldn't just be able to walk in and purchase a gun when it's really difficult to even just go in and, and get a license to drive a car like that, that those don't never really line up for me. One thing you mentioned going around the country and, and really feeling inspired and, and grounded within the work that you're doing, meeting with survivors of gun violence. Living here, I was very obviously very emotionally rocked by by the mass shooting recently in in Nashville at the school shooting it was also a time where my children my their dad and I are divorced so my children were with their father and so I just was like I I have to go I can't sit here I have to be somewhere and do something and I just went to the capitol I was protesting I had and I looked around and I was with friends other mothers but I also looked around and was so just enamored and just and I just was so hopeful seeing the amount of kids that were there, the teenagers of this generation who are fed up with going to school and doing lockdown drills, who are fed up with walking and being scared and looking at everyone like worried, like, do you know, do I say something? Do I not say something like the the pressure that is put on these children, the pressure that's put on these teachers, the pressure that's put on even, you know, the medical community. But these kids were so impressive. And it's just not, I did not grow up going to protest. I was not very involved as a, as a kid. It just, it's just not how I grew up. Do you meet just so many children as well that give oh you hope goodness, in the Candace, work that you do? I am so glad that you brought that up because it's one of the biggest motivators. Like the first and foremost is, is my children. And then that expands out to everyone's children and just our communities writ large. And what I'm so proud of, and I'm so, it's so funny you said is when I was that age, I can't remember that I was doing nearly half the things that they're doing. And I'm so inspired by them. And it's many reasons that they're doing this. One is this is a leading cause of death for children, teens, and young adults in our country. Just think about that, surpassing Mm -hmm. car accidents, childhood cancer, and a whole host of other things. And again, I'm going to go back to this. You're going to get tired of me saying, this is not an inevitability, right? There's things that we can do about it. So they know this. And you know what I what pisses me off, frankly, is that they have to take this into their own hands. I was in, in Austin, Texas for one of our advocacy days, and I was with lots of there are lots of different organizations that were part of this advocacy day, including family of survivors from the Valde tragedy. And a young woman, 10 years old, got up and spoke with her voice shaking and said, I shouldn't have to be here but you're not protecting us. And so I have to speak up. And she was a survivor, was in that classroom with her classmates that were gunned down. And we have a generation of young people, like you said, that are experiencing lockdown drills. My five-year-old has come home from school 
And I have known because, you know, not in every place you don't get informed when these are going to happen. And so she was just off. She had nightmares at night. She just was not herself. And I asked the school, anything happened? They're like, oh, we had this drill. And for a five-year-old to understand, you, you called it a ladybug game or that sometimes they say quiet mouse. There's different ways that they, but they don't know that the threat is real or not real. And we want to make sure that when we're doing these kinds of drills, that they're trauma informed, that we under, that the parents also understand that they're happening and have an opportunity to decide if they want their children in for that day or not. So we have they're experiencing this. They're also are fed up, frankly, as they get older, that it feels like there's inaction from uh, lawmakers and politicians. We're the first ones to say, utilize your vote because the ballot box is really important in determining so many things about your future. And then when they vote, and then it feels like nothing's happening, then they're they're pissed off. Another thing I would say is that when we look just through history, young people have always been spearheading heading movements. When we think about civil rights, I think about climate movement, immigration, so many things where they have had to stand up because it's their lives are at stake as well. And they have something to add. They also push us sometimes further than we're willing to go and have us see different perspectives. So I am so grateful for our young people. And I want to give a shout out to Students Demand Action, who does so much across this country. And they were there in Nashville. Like you said, I spent some time on the ground post that tragic shooting at Covenant and was just so pleased to see not only their energy, but they're so strategic in the way they're thinking about talking to their communities, organizing their communities and showing up and actually making sure that they're holding accountable the people that are not in line with the majority of the American public, which is get it together around gun safety in this country, pass laws that we know are going to save lives. So they're there, and I'm so glad that they are. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's crazy. You know, I was post there was a few weeks ago, it was where Orange Day in June, back in June, which is also, you know, 
to raise awareness and, and, and students demand action have been a big part of that as well. So, you know, I was like, oh, well, I, I just didn't think it was that controversial to wear an orange t-shirt and post some facts about just the actual statistics and, and facts about this country and, and gun laws and, and shootings. And, and it's the amount of comments that I got it just is wild to me because in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is a great thing. You know, I find the internet to actually, I'm very, I feel very fortunate. I am knocking on wood as I say this, but I've had a very, I've felt a lot of support and had like my social media and the internet. I found it to be a very positive place. And I just was so kind of smacked in the face after posting this seeing immediately that like the guns don't kill people, people like the, the guns aren't yes, the problem Do cars kill yes. people or people behind the wheel and I'm just like what are you talking about and it just reminded me that like I you know I have a I I, I there I don't understand like there is a different way that people who don't agree with this subject on that there should be, you know, it should be hard to purchase a gun in this country. And not everyone should own one. You shouldn't just be able to get one passed out to you like it's you're trick or treating and it's Halloween. Like you should have to be very skilled. You know, it's like flying a plane. You got to put in a lot of hours. If you want to be a surgeon, you got to put in a lot of hours like you. and, And it was just wild to see it right there in front of my face within seconds, just how many people are on the opposing side of this argument. And that I don't understand when you are on the trail and when your boots on the ground and your activism work and you do come across someone who is on the other side of the argument, what, I mean, how do you approach that conversation? Because I think that a lot of people listening or a lot of people who might not fully understand, you know, the scope of gun laws in this country find themselves not knowing how to navigate that conversation with either loved ones, strangers, or even, you know, their closest family. Yeah, that's a really good question. And one of the things I would say is that there is a misconception that there is a strong force of opposition against this. I think the majority of people I know, not think, the majority of people can agree that we want to have a world, have a community, a society where you don't have to fear for your lives when you're going to the supermarket, you're going to a house of worship, you're sending your kids to school. This is something I know as a fact that the majority of American people want. I also know that Sometimes we get caught up in these little, I I call it little tribalism, like little places, like it's almost like our sports team that we're kind of, we're we're rooting for all the time. And when you actually sit down and have conversations, this is the beauty of Moms Demand Action, Students Demand Action, and just organizing, is that those one-on-one or small group conversations, when you're actually having honest conversations with folks, you will find that you agree on most things, right? And you don't have to, and I would say to the listeners or anyone, like, just start with a basic conversation and really be curious. When you're entering the space, don't come ready to convince somebody of something else. All you want to do is say, well, can we agree that this is, we know that this is a leading cause of death for kids in this country. And can we agree that we don't want that and it doesn't have to be? And how do we, how, what are some solutions to this? I will say that our supporters are not just, you know, as people would think, just activists that are against guns. We have gun owners, we have veterans, we have faith leaders, we have Republicans, we have all kinds of folks. We are every town in every literal way. And we have those folks coming to the table every day agreeing that there are things that we can do, just common sense policies that keep us safe. This is not 
about taking anything from anyone. And like you said, it's harder for me. I would say you you talked about being hard. What was the, the reference you made? I know getting a driver's license, a passport. So for a me, it was harder. Yes. It was harder for me to get a rescue dog. <laughs> Like all the steps to get a rescue dog, which I think is yes. really important because they want to yes. rehome these animals and make sure they're in good care. But why does it take so much for that? Yeah. And why can we agree to that? But we can agree that at the very least, there should be basic checks. There, not everybody should. And some people are prohibited and should not have access to firearms. That's a basic thing. I have gun owners in my family, so that's not a problem. The Same. problem is that yeah. a guns everywhere culture is not something where we're going to be safe. That means if we're all walking around like it's a wild west, that any small disagreement or argument can be deadly. And why would we do that? Again, yeah. I always take it back to leading cause of death for kids. Tell me more about why you don't want to protect our children in this country. And it's not, you shouldn't go all the way back to, it means taking someone's guns away. It just means putting in common sense policies that are going to save lives every day and make it such that People that don't need to have a gun or shouldn't have a gun or prohibit it from having a gun do not have access to that. And that includes unsecured firearms yes. that our young children are getting their hands on. Um, so this is all that we're doing at Moms Demand Action, Students Demand Action to ensure. And so I would say we start from those basic conversations and you can join us, join a chapter near you, whether you're a student, a mother or other, we say, join us. You can text READY to 64433. And we can actually give you the materials you need to have some of those conversations that talk with some of our folks. You don't have to be a policy expert. You just have to care. You have to care that your community deserves better than this. You have to know that the majority of folks in this country want to see this and that there are ways that we can actually get to a place where we don't have to see these senseless tragedies. I had the opportunity to meet Shannon Watts a couple of years ago and sit down and interview with her and, and spend some time with her. And in the years since when there were you know, unfortunately, tragedies that unfolded, you know, and I'd find myself just feeling so lost and joining a few of those mom demand, moms demand action zooms where everyone gets to kind of hear the facts, hear how they can get involved and, and meet other people from their local moms demand action chapters. It just at a time when I was feeling just so overwhelmed and like all my all the mommy scaries came out like it, it really did for me. It really all changed when I became a mother. It changed when I was, you know, hearing about my, especially my oldest stepdaughter came back years ago. She came home from high school and was just casually over dinner talking to us about, you know, how, oh yeah, they did a shooter drill. And like, she started like playing out the scenarios of like what she would do and like how she would like, you know, playing out these hero scenarios. And I just remember sitting there not even knowing how to respond because it just hit me how different this generation's experience is when they go to school. I mean, and but I, but meeting Shannon and joining it just in sitting in on these Zoom calls, I can't recommend more like the text, the number that you just said, and I'll make sure it'll all be in the notes. But at a time when I would feel really lonely or scared coming off of a tragedy, being able to kind of be amongst a community of other people who were feeling the same way or who were sharing their feelings or experiences, it just allowed me to, you know, kind of breathe easier after I put my children to bed at night. It yeah, just, that's so, that's so good to hear to have that foundational community, because this is hard work. Like, let's not pretend that we're not seeing tragedy and loss, that we're not frustrated by inaction. The fact that we see lawmakers that are more beholden to a gun lobby than feels like they care about the fact that our children are being stolen from us and that our streets 
and our our houses of worship, our supermarkets, our concerts are not cannot be safe. This is frustrating, but this community is helpful. Not only is it helpful because you have you you feel like the strength in numbers, but there's so many incredible people from across the country of all walks of life, from nurses to teachers to doctors to lawyers to stay-at-home moms to scientists, you just name it. You have all kinds of folks that are putting themselves out there to say, I have the power to step up and do something and I can contribute, whether it's making a phone call, talking to a late neighbor or even running for office. We have many of our volunteers that have made that big leap from advocating for good policy to now writing it. There is a place for everybody in this movement. And frankly, it's a responsibility of us all to keep our children safe. So please join us, 64433, text ready if you're interested. You have a career of activism now. When did your career in activism begin or when was your what was the inciting incident within your life when it pertains to activism? Yeah, when I'm asked that question, you know, there's so many things I can point to. But in particular, what stands out for me is my mother was always so involved in the community. She was a busy woman who works. I, I'm the oldest of three girls. and But she always found a way, even when it felt like, and we didn't come from a lot of money or anything. And I never knew how, you know, like broke we were, is what I would say back then, because she made us feel, my parents, both of them, like we, there was nothing that we needed or, or because they provided. But if she saw someone without in the community or if there was a problem, she would always come together with a group of other women or people in the community to figure out and solve it. There was no waiting for Superman. We were all that we had and we were going to figure it out. So her resiliency uh, is something that I point to. And she used to take me to the voting booth with her. And I could have sworn at seven years old that I was an active voter, but she would explain it and tell me why it was so important and that our voices matter. And many people are going to say it doesn't matter. What does it mean? It absolutely does, because if you do not vote, someone else is speaking for you. And so I think that concept alone just got embedded so early. And then as I saw things in the world that just felt like it was not fair, you know, I would think like, how could we as a community come together to fix this or make people make sure that we were giving people the things that they need to thrive in this world, not just survive, but really thrive and live their best lives. And that translated to so many different issue areas. In the past 20 years, I've done a lot in organizing and advocacy work. And the one thing remains the same is that everybody has something to contribute. And the power of one that will multiply to three to five to 15 to, and the list goes on, what you can do to change the simple day-to-day things and the, the, the decisions you can make, the ways that you can show up that will impact someone else's life in a positive way and also push for total, complete, like culture change sometimes in this country. When we look at some of the movements that like civil rights, uh, suffrage movement, uh, think about so many LGBTQIA, the way that those movements have shaped it so that people can thrive and live in this world. And I saw that with my mother. And so I was just inspired by her and so many other fierce women around me as I was growing up. I mean, obviously your mother, which she sounds incredible and to have the wherewithal. I, I I have just started bringing my kids to even watch me vote in the last couple of years. Like I've, I, at first it wasn't because I was trying to be like, look what I'm doing. It was like, well, this is what mommy has to do today. So you're coming along for free stickers. <laughs> like that was like the main thing. They but it's been really fun. <laughs> oh God, you have to have the stickers. I mean, stickers and bubbles. 
<laughs> but for your mom to just recognize that like bringing you to to vote and then also just like to really be involved with the community. But again, you've really made a career of activism and and knowing that like historically black women have been the strength and the backbone of so many of these very big movements and political shifts that you were just listing off. Are there other specifically you know, black women that have really, really inspired you within your career along the path? Oh my goodness. What a question, Candace. I feel like I would like forget so many people. I think, you know, everybody that I have been able to be in company with or work with that has done work in different ways in these different movements, Black women, women of color, have given me something. Like I've walked away with something, something either transformative, something I've learned about myself. Sometimes it's just holding a mirror to yourself, which it can strengthen or it can make you see something. I've just been so incredibly lucky to work in the ways that I have. I think one of the biggest memories I have just in organizing was in the immigration movement and with four students that were, I think three out of the four were undocumented at the time. And they walked, they did a journey, they called it the, the trail of dreams. And it was like fashioned after the trail of tears. When you think about the indigenous, and if you don't know what that is, look it up, trail of tears, but the trail of dreams, four students, three were undocumented and they walked from Miami, Florida, all the way to DC. And it started in January and ended in DC in May. And I took time out of my work, took vacation to walk with them along the way because I was so inspired by everything they were doing. The fact that they, at a certain point, without being documented, they just like everything stopped. If they wanted to join the military, if they wanted to go to college, just everything stopped. And just hearing the stories and, and working with them. And, and I think the inspiration I got from that, and it's like many other movements, so it's not just that one issue, is that there is power to do something about it. You do not have to take the status quo and say that this is where we are. If you get some folks together, if you figure out a strategy, we can we can actually do something together. And that was just so powerful to me to see people that felt like uh, really in a desperate place. Young people, again, back to the students, young people really pushing us outside of the box. And I, I remember sleeping on church floors with them and doing whatever we had to do as we walked across the country or up the East Coast, basically. And some terrible vitriol was thrown at them in some places. There was also places where it just warm, open arms and just how resilient they were. And that this is not just, you know, people sometimes see activism as like somebody's hobby or something. This is actually a responsibility. We're in community together. And, you know, I live by the saying that I'm not free until we all are free. There's no way that I can feel comfortable in my life and look out across and see people in suffering and not say that there's something that we can do. It's just so unnecessary. And we think about gun violence in this country. It is so unnecessary that people are actually having their loved ones stolen from them because of something so simple that can be done. It's infuriating to think about, but it's also deeply sad. And again, the reason that I go from like those feelings of like, I'm pissed and this is sad to feeling like we can do this. And I really do believe, Candace, that there is a light at the end of this tunnel is because there are too many people that agree with us, even if they don't know that they're there yet. Yeah, They agree that we should not be living in this kind of fear They agree that our children should be able to thrive and grow up in an environment where it's not about the school drills or literally practicing how you will avoid bullets piercing your body. It's absolutely outrageous. 
there are more people. And every time we have a tragedy, unfortunately, more and more people are just fed up with people that are just standing by the, the, the side that can actually do something about it that are not choosing to do something about it. So the tide is moving in our direction and we're going to continue moving and marching forward because, again, at the end of the day, I'm going to do this until there's nothing more to do. And I just hope more people will join us and just know that there is something possible that we don't have to accept this as just the norm because it is not normal at all. It is not normal. And again, like living, I've only lived in in Tennessee for almost two years now. So I'm still pretty new to the state. And before that, I was living in L.A. for a while where, you know, especially in L.A., it just feels very like every no one really everyone talks politics, but in a way that it just (laughs) it's either no one's talking because no one wants to have like an opposing view or it's just it was a different experience in L.A. I just felt like everyone was having the exact same conversation and you just don't feel you don't, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was seeing what maybe the rest of the world could be feeling or experiencing. And so being in Tennessee and really seeing, you know, the community come together to want to participate in local elections and participate in making sure that we are safe and taken care of and really seeing exactly what you're just saying, that we think that it's this majority that is trying to hold on to these like lax gun laws. And it's not, it is not. It was not. Anytime I was showing up to the Capitol, any of these calls or emails or these groups I've been around, it is not. And it's not even and funny enough. It's not even always people from the same political side, who, but they're still coming together, demanding safer gun laws, demanding that we can live our lives in peace and not constantly fear that around the corner, you know, an AR-15 is going to be waiting because that it should not, there's no reason why that should be accessible. No reason, none. So I completely, I feel all of that, that it's like, we like to think that it is not something that people are wanting, but it really is. Yeah. I've learned so much from having conversations with friends here and even people that I've gotten to know, again, who we may not agree on a lot of things politically, but to have a conversation with someone, it's been, it's been actually nice to know that people are willing to have that conversation. And I've learned a lot. I love that, Candice. It's really important. I would urge people like, you know, it's fun to talk to people that you know and comfortable and you share the same, you, you feel like you're in lockstep with your views. I would challenge you to have a conversation with someone. And this is not a combative thing. Just have a friendly conversation with someone that you don't know much about, or you think maybe have a little different view. I think that's kind of the problem with what society looks like now is that we are in our little bubbles. Let's let's talk cross pollinate, talk to each other. In my most fruitful, richest conversations I've had very recently have been people that are maybe of a different political persuasion or come from a different walk of life. Those are like the richest conversations to have because at the end of the day, you can find what do we have in common? And we all really do want the same basic things. This is not a red state, blue state issue. It's not a Democrat, Republican issue. It's an issue of safety and saving lives. And we can get behind that. We can and we should be getting behind that together because it's our collective responsibility. I agree. Well, as the first ever executive director of Moms Demand Action, which congratulations, I was so excited. And I'm also, you know, having met Shannon a few years ago, I know and hearing just how she formed Moms Demand and how she, I love how she says in her book and she says very often in her interviews that, you know, when people ask, how did you do this? How did you, how, how did this happen? And she, she said to me, like, you know, you have to, that's where you have to sometimes just build the plane while you fly it. 
she was like, I was learning. I was learning as I was going. Could you share a little bit about how you met Shannon, how you got involved with Moms Demand Action initially? Yeah. So I actually was talking to, uh, I had a friend that worked here and I, I knew of them before and I've heard a lot of good work that they were doing and they were trying to pull me over. They said, yeah, we could probably, it'd be great. We'd love to have your input in some of the campaigns we're running. And I wasn't quite sure. And they said, you should talk to Shannon Watts. I was like, sure, I'll talk to Shannon Watts. And it was a phone call and we connected almost instantly. We both are mothers of, people will nowadays consider many children. I'm a mother of four, so you have five. When you say that now, people look at like, you like, are you okay? <laughs> like, yeah, <I'm> absolutely <laughs> fine. So we connected on that, but just this idea you know, one thing that I always say about my children, my twins, when I have them, which I was totally shocked that I had multiples of like, how did this happen? When the first time I took them to Disney World, I remember we made them lanyards with my name, their name, and had they had a phone number or my cell phone. And I told them, if you get lost, which going to Disney World, t- talking about mommy scaries, is oh just my like gosh. With, <laughs> with little ones, like running this way and that way, the crowds, it's just like, oh, and you walk away like m- with less money in your pocket and just like a lot of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing was like, if you get separated from me, find another mommy, find a mommy. And so I said that to Shannon, like, literally, you found other moms. And there's nothing like mothers coming together to protect their children and their communities. It's just incredible. So we connected on that. And the fact that we know that there's something that can be done, that we both knew that waiting for Superman wasn't an option or not real, and that we had everything we needed to do. So that was just an incredible experience. And she's been an amazing partner. And I've worked behind the scenes with her as long as I've been here since 2019 when I joined Every Town for Gun Safety. And so now I'm stepping forward, which is a big deal. It's also big shoes to fill. But the way we're looking at it, it's not about replacing. You can't replace a founder. She did incredible work to build this amazing foundation. And in a decade, so much has transformed in the movement to uh, gun safety movement and saving lives. And now it's taking the next 10 years. It's I'm here to, to directionally push us into the next part of the chapter, the next part of our story on making sure that we're ending gun violence across every single community in every single way possible. So Shannon's incredible. And I'm so you know just honored that she trusted me to jump into this role. And it's a big role. I mean, from my conversations with her, it can also be very scary sometimes, you know, from what she was explaining to me, I was scared for her. <laughs> like she had no fear. But I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, being up against uh, people who were very threatening, people who, you know, the NRA and in, in also just online and, and constantly feeling that kind of aggressive pressure. I mean, have you seen that before even stepping into that role? How is that now? Do you feel like it's dissipated a little bit now that I feel like there is more of a conversation and people are wanting to get more involved and we are getting more sick of it. Do you feel like it, the pressure is still as like the heat is still as hot as it was when from kind of these, you know, bigger companies and in, in online groups from when Shannon started it? I will just say this. When you are pushing against a loud minority that's set on keeping the status quo and protecting whatever their interests are, you're going to see this kind of ugliness 
whether it's in this thinking about gun violence prevention and the things that Shannon has seen and experienced, but other movements. I, I was at Planned Parenthood previously and Cecile Richards was the one that would also get a lot of this. And I just, and it's also something about being a woman and standing up and saying enough is enough and you're going to get vitriol. But one thing that keeps me grounded and it's like, I know that I am supposed to be doing this and I'm going to walk in my purpose. I also know I'm not alone. It's not about me. It's about a movement of people. It's about the majority of the American people that are saying enough is enough. We're not going to have one more person taken from us. We're not going to have one more lawmaker stand idly by when this is a leading cause of death for children in this country, which is a uniquely American thing. It makes no sense. And we have so many survivors that get up every single day and put one foot in front of the other to ensure that this isn't happening. There's no way that the the squeaky minority of people that some are very like extremists and very nasty, that is not going to get in the way of what I know is the right thing to do. And the majority of us know, and many people are walking this walk every single day. So yes, it's a balance and you've got to just keep, you know, I don't dig in and read all the things and understand where everybody, you know, all the nastiness that may be coming my way, because I also know I'm in, I'm walking in my purpose. I'm also deeply a person of faith. And for me, I've been called to this and I'm going to continue to walk this walk. So I can't be afraid. It's more, for me, I'd be more afraid of inaction, more afraid to leave it in someone else's hands. And hopefully they'll do the right thing by my children, by your children and by our community. I feel so empowered walking along our volunteers and our survivors every single day. Like it's incredible. If you, the chance, and you were at the Capitol there in Nashville, so you get it. Like these folks are here and they're not playing and we're going to continue to push until we get what we need. And so, you know, there's nothing that I can do and there's nothing that is going to get in the way when it comes to solving this public health crisis in this country for me. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You mentioned, you know, walking together as a community in the next 10 years. We do live in a society that is obsessed with immediate results and instant gratification. I wanted a uh, like a cheeseburger. I could push a few buttons on my phone and within 10 to 15 minutes, it'd be waiting at my door. I mean, it is we like things to happen really fast. Yeah, we do. Amazon. We are the Amazon Prime generation that is like, can it come to my house by four o'clock and I don't have to do anything or leave, but which can like not serve us well in work like this, because this is not something where exactly what we were kind of saying earlier, you go, you vote and the next day, everything's just like different. You know, it, it, it will take time and it does take time and it has taken time. So what are the big things that, you know, we can do? today? What can we prepare to do for tomorrow? And what is kind of the end, you know, what's the end game that we're working towards and things we can do? And I know voting, cannot stress this enough, vote, vote, vote. I have been really educating myself on the importance of local elections, and especially just go to your Capitol building and hang out. You get to do that's why it's called the People's House. I didn't know that. I had no idea why they call it the People's House. And now I get it. You can get to hang and go watch. You can watch it. It's like you like Bravo television. Go hang out at the Capitol building for a few hours. It is riveting, except it's terrifying because when things go wrong, it's your actual life that's affected by it. You started with the thing that I think is the most important. You have to be civically engaged. You have to. It matters in so many ways. When we look at what is happening in our country now, a lot of the reasons that we're not getting to, again, what the majority of the people want and what is going to impact and actually uh, have real tangible results in reducing gun violence in our country, those are the extremists that are holding holding back on just doing the things that are going to actually change the lives. So you can actually vote those. It's not just extremist lawmakers. It's the courts. People don't have to understand, if they don't already, the how these things are kind of woven together. When people usually, and I've heard this from my 21-year-olds, my it was the first time in 2020 that they voted. And my son in particular was like, well, you know, it's like the president, blah, blah, what does it mean? It's like, sure, yes, a president, yes, important. And everything under that is even more important in many ways when we think about like our yeah. local like school boards, sheriffs, everything else, how our courts are, are lining up. Because in this country also, historically, when we think about like, I keep going back to civil rights, but certain places where people were, were not granted just general human rights or access to things that came through our courts. It wasn't because somebody woke up one day and said, you know what, we're tired of like you know, segregating people or doing this or that. It was because we had systems in place and checks and balances. So the voting is the most important thing you can do. Secondly, conversations are so important. We've got to, and like, yes, I am, you know, Shannon, a good friend of mine will laugh at me because I'm always like pushing on like social media. I do it, but there's nothing better than having those one-to-one or conversations in person where you really get to understand like, yeah. Just having a couple sentences and a tweet or something, it's like, it's fine for certain things, but that human connection is really important. And you can actually 
just kind of break, have breakthrough conversations and build bridges by just connecting with people, asking the questions and just letting people know what's at stake and that we also can do something about it. And we have so much more in common than you think. Making sure that when you think about folks oftentimes ask me about school safety, and that's a big deal, especially when we think about back to school in a matter of like weeks. It feels like yeah. we just started summer break, but August is like tomorrow in many places. No, August I've been saying September summer has really back. been summering. What? Yeah, so fast. But you can really ask about the policies and protocols from school boards. Like, what are you, are you going to give information to parents about secure storage, especially their parents that are gun owners? And that's fine. Are you securely storing your firearms so that your children don't have access to it? What are the ways that we have policies in place around the safety in our schools? Are the, are we doing drills? Are they tra- trauma-informed? There's lots of things that people can just start being curious and asking the questions. I think those are really important because you might be able to unearth something and see there's a gap. Or maybe you see there, oh, there is something really strong and I, you know, this is really good. So I think those are like some of the things that I really think about. And then again, join us if you want more to do. We have so much. And what I love about Moms Man Action, Students of Man Action, it's, it's like tailored to where you live. So yes, there are times we're fighting on federal policies and things that we want for kind of the, the totality of the United States. But there's also things about local initiatives that you can be getting involved in and helping you can also help to think about where are the gaps? Are we? Are there things that we should be uh, thinking about as far as campaigns or policies? And you know what you can also do, Candace? You can run for office. You know, I know people are like, not me. I don't have the qualifications. Yeah. Yes, no, you do. Even yeah. things like thinking about yeah. your school board. If you're concerned about school safety and what that looks like, think about what it looks like to join, run for office and join your school board. So there's lots of ways mm-hmm. that you can be empowered and we can actually change the course of the way things are happening in this country when it comes to not just responding, because we don't want to just respond to things. We want to proactively prevent and put things in place so that we don't even have to have conversations about what is a school drill, right? So I think there's lots of ways that you can get involved. Again, 64433, text READY if you really feel like, you know, I want to do something, but I, I don't, I feel like I need a little help. We're here to hold your hand and and figure out what it is, what are your interests and skills, and we can plug you in. Nothing is too small. So we're happy to have everyone join. As you're saying all this, I just keep thinking, you know, all the ways your children must have been shaped from the work that you do and and the way that they are able to see the world based off of conversations you had with them. And and we all hope as parents, you know, that what that we leave that imprint on them and and send them off into the world from the nest and be like, I would I did all I could. And and like we teach and teach and teach them. But also one of the things about parenting that I have been most pleasantly surprised by that began even before I became a biological parent was how much these children taught me and how it shaped me and how I see the world. What are some of the ways that your children have taught you and and held your hand while you've walked through the work that you do? Candace, I love this question. It's something I say all the time. Like when I was expecting my children, especially the first, it was twins. I was had a long list of, oh, what I'm going to teach and what they're going to learn from me. And little did I know that I was most of the time learning more from them about myself, my patients, what I needed, what I couldn't do. And I think what they continue to feed me is one, just to slow down and be present. You know, there is a big responsibility. When we think about gun violence in this country, there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel like there's something I need to be doing to ensure 
that we're getting what we we need to get. Like be, being in community with survivors and seeing tragedies unfold means that it's constant. Like you don't just, it's not like a nine to five where you punch out and it's done. It's constant. And so there has to be a balance because if I'm going to be okay for the movement, I have to be able to sort through, understand what is mine to own and take, where someone else is jumping in, what the ecosystem around this looks like so that I can actually be whole. Because we're all being traumatized in some way, shape or form just because of this, this unnecessary tragedy in our country and this public health crisis. So slowing down is important, but also not taking myself too seriously. Candace, if you were to hang out with me, the first thing you'd say is like, she can be a goofball, which I think is important. Joy is so important <laughs> to be able to laugh, to have a sense of humor, to laugh at myself. You know, there's times that I'm just in the supermarket with the kids and I hear the, the random music they play when you're shopping. I love a supermarket <laughs> playlist. Play. Yeah, Gosh. especially when they have like some 90s track on. I'm like, Ooh, yes. and I'm dancing in the middle of the aisle as I'm getting the Rice Krispies down. Those are the things that, you know, my, my little kids still like that. My big kids, not so much. But, you know, those are the things that, make me, it's almost like grounds me and brings me back to myself. So I don't get floaty up here and the theoretical and all the things that need to be done. And But I'm actually a real person in this world and community with others, caring about our children, caring about just the, the, the state of health in this country generally, both spiritual, mental, physical, all of it, and safety. And that I can also at the same time laugh, dance, sing very badly at the top of my lungs when I'm driving in a car alone. All those things are so important and they keep me grounded in that fact that I cannot let this take me to a place where I'm not connected to myself and I can't laugh and I can't find joy. Even in such tragedy we see, it is our just it's just a critical thing that we find places of joy and hope. It's mm-hmm. the only way we're gonna be able to sustain this our movement and get to a place where we're actually, we don't want to burn ourselves out and like deplete ourselves completely in this work. We have to keep refilling ourselves and each other. And so that's the lesson that they give me every day. Do you do digital detoxes or do you like take time out from that? Can you even take a time out from the news for a moment? Do you give yourself that space? Because I absolutely do. I mean, I used to find, have guilt around it. It's like, what if I don't know what's going on? It's like, believe me, you, if you're needed, yeah. someone's going to call you and <laughs> you're going to find out. But I do. And sometimes, you know, even my, my staff will say, uh, my colleagues, they'll have to like track me down. I've gotten so good at like, throwing my phone to the side. I think it's so important because sometimes in this world where we have access to this kind of information constantly, news stories coming in, and sometimes one news story will be 20 stories, right, over and over again, but it's the same incident. And you can almost feel like you're in like Groundhog's Day. Like it's just, and it can just feel heavier and heavier and heavier. You've got to hold it and say, this is what happened. What is, what am I supposed to do here? Is there something I need to contribute? Who else can I bring into this? And then there has to be a point where you have to say, I need to take a step back. I need to breathe and I need to just like recenter. I need to get myself in a place where I'm okay to can to keep moving because again, we're not going to break ourselves down to nothing as we're trying to do do the work of kind of ensuring we have safety in this country when it comes to gun violence. We also know that because of the tragedies and and the devastation to communities that gun violence brings, there's a lot of healing that has to happen in our also, which means that sometimes you've got to unplug, you've got to laugh, you've got to cry, you've got to 
be able to hold on to someone. You got to be able to sometimes just curl up with a book or just like stare into space or watch a terrible, you know, I'm good for this watching a reality TV, which is my thing, my escape. Those things are really important. So yes, I have learned how to do it. I know when I'm feeling that, when it starts to feel like it's almost like electric under my skin, it's like so much. And I feel like I'm, am I doing enough? When I say, am I doing enough? That's when it's like, you're doing probably doing too much. So take about 10 minutes. Take a 10 minutes, even if it's just a little walk around the block, whatever it is, and just recenter, right? Because we're no good for Mm -hmm. ourselves, our children, our communities, if we're just like in this frenzied state all the time. It's true. It's true. And also having vulnerable conversations about how we're feeling. I'm going to be honest. I was very, I'd I'd prepped for our our interview a a bit while back. And then I was like anxious to get back into the notes of it all because I was worried I'd feel so overwhelmed and hopeless and just uh, all the feelings, you know, would come up the mommy scaries, which is what I call them at this point. But I feel so much more grounded having this conversation with you. Angela, could you also just repeat one more time for our listeners what what number they can text in order to learn more about not only Moms Demand Action, but get involved with their local chapters? Sure. Text READY to 644-33. You'll be welcome with open arms and we will plug you in. And don't worry if you're saying, well, I'm not quite an activist. I don't show up at Capitals. I don't do that. That's totally fine. We didn't have a space for you too. Whatever you have to contribute, we're happy to receive because every, even the smallest thing is going to take us to where we need to be. So we need everybody to contribute what they can for us to get to where we need to be. So please, ready to 64433. Thank you so much. Okay, before I let you go, we're going to do a little cool down. I love a little conversation cool down. So I'm going to ask you five final questions. They're just whatever comes to your head, really simple. But Angela, can you tell me something that you like? Oof, mint chocolate chip ice. I don't know why. (laughs) That just came probably because I'm having a craving for it it right now. (laughs) My seven-year-old has decided that's her new favorite flavor. And I'm like, okay, I'm into it. So good. Yeah, love some mint chocolate chip. Yeah. (laughs) Something that you know. Yes, I know that this is solvable and we can get to the we can get to the end of this. I know that we have everything we need to do it. Something that you hate. Just rude people. Why? Why are we being so rude to each other? I don't understand it. Even little things like when I'm walking down the street and I see somebody, I usually say hello, good morning. And some people are just like <sighs> So I don't I don't I hate it because it doesn't make any sense to me. I agree. I know I always try to be like they're just having a bad day. You know what? Maybe they popped a tire Maybe. on the way here. I have this whole narrative Maybe. that I write for them. But I yes, like I know, but yes. it drives me too. <laughs> <laughs> something that you love that is not your kids, your family, your partner, any, like something that you love. I love to dance. I love dance and music. It's just like, it feels like a, another way to express myself. And I, you know, we, we can have another conversation about this later, Candace, on another podcast, <laughs> but yeah, I love dance. I love all forms of it, like from ballet to modern to, and contemporary to like I've done West African uh, Latin ballroom. I just love dance. It just feels like a, a way to kind of get the mommy scaries and all that out of my body and, yeah. and just express myself. So love it. I just moved and I have a empty house, but yet it's also full of like cardboard boxes and misplaced furniture and like the anxiety from all of that. The only thing that's helping, I'm getting back into my or when my kids are not here, I just pop in my headphones and then have a little glass of wine, just dance around that. Sometimes you just got to dance it out. You got to dance it's it out. It's perfect when you have no furniture and boxes everywhere. It's like you have your own like yeah. club in your house. So you're, that's good. 
It's yes. a good thing. <laughs> I'm sure my neighbors think I'm like terrifying. They're like, oh, that poor woman just throwing her body around her empty house with a glass of wine. But, you know. <laughs> do what you got to do. Okay. And last, you got to do what you got to do. And last but not least, not least, that's a quirky little fact about you. It's a quirky little fact about me. I'm such, so I'm a Virgo, which is so funny because I'm not really like into signs and such, but from what I understand, like I'm very ordered. So little things like I'll walk around spaces. It can be like an Ikea. It can be like in the office chairs. I'm like right, making things right angled and everything. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I can't stand things out of place. Even if it's like not my place, it's like, oh, this should be on an angle. Something about angles makes me comfortable. So like angling furniture. And, <laughs> so that's a thing that I do. So if you invite me to your house, Candace, well, it's good because your furniture isn't out yet. So maybe I can help you arrange Perfect. it. Yeah. I can angle everything. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I I might be taking you up on that because it's all like driving me nuts right now. So perfect. I'll pour a glass of wine, put on some music, we'll dance oh, around, we some, angle dance. some furniture. Oh, yes. It sounds like the best time ever. I Angela, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate uh, you and everything that you do. So thank you, thank you, thank you. A Super Bloom podcast is hosted by me, Candace King, produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions, edited by Diane Kang, post-production sound by Coco Lawrence, and advertising partnership with ACAST. <laughs>